Hello and welcome to Willosophy. I'm Will. Um, okay, just some quick plugs up the top because this is an episode people have been waiting for. Of course, with this podcast, you're always waiting for episodes because it's irregular. Uh, there was one with Montaigne uh, that went up a few weeks ago. Uh, which is excellent if you haven't checked that out yet and if you don't know her story. Um, I think it's just a really uh, fun one uh, to uh, hear and discover her as an artist and who she is. If you don't know her already or if you're a fan of hers already, then I think you really enjoy that one. But this podcast series is irregular because it's hard to do. And to be honest, you don't see what goes on behind the scenes, which is me giving up on it most weeks. <laughs> I think... Uh, there's been probably three times in between the last episode and this episode where I told people I'm never doing that podcast again, but then one of my guests that I've been trying to get on for a while confirms and it's back on. So anyway, there's a couple of those that have happened recently, so there's going to be at least a couple more episodes and by then I probably will have booked in somebody else. But anyway, uh, thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Uh, No, I really do appreciate it and uh, I've been wanting to have uh, today's guest Tim Minchin on the podcast for a very long time, pretty much since I started it and we've been trying to coordinate it and to be honest, I wish it was one of those episodes where I had two hours or three hours with the guests where we could have kept talking because we barely got warmed up in the hour or so that I had with him but... Uh, we dive straight in. So um, the good news is I think you're really going to enjoy this. It's always a delight to talk to Tim. And uh, if you want to hear him talk more about his career and stuff, stuff that I would have actually loved to talk to Tim about because I am fascinated by his career and, and the path that he's chosen and how he's kind of you know negotiated the great success that he's had. And that they were all questions that I would have loved to get to. The, the idea of whether he has doubts and what it is that sort of drives him professionally and creatively. But we just started talking about life and this podcast is really about life. So we just stuck there. But if you would, would like to hear Tim uh, talk about those things, he firstly mentions uh, Richard Herring's excellent podcast. So you can check that out uh, on the internet. Just uh, Google Richard Herring and podcasts and uh, Tim Minchin. Uh, so he talks about that stuff a bit there. But also uh, this weekend, LA Podfest. So I'm in LA at the moment. Uh, flew out between Gruen episodes. So we tape on a Tuesday night. I flew out on Wednesday and... Uh, uh, we do uh, uh, TOFOP, live TOFOP uh, at PodFest, 2 o'clock on Saturday, and then I fly out Saturday night to be back for my Gruen meeting on Monday. So uh, it's a bit of a hectic schedule, but uh, I squeezed in this one with Tim, which was really exciting uh, while I was over here also. And uh, Tim is being interviewed by Stu Goldsmith on his Comedians Comedian podcast, which I've been on previously. It's a great podcast. Check that out if you'd like to hear me talk about uh, you know, my craft and how I go about it. Uh, I am on that, but there are a bunch of comedians, uh, brilliant comedians, it's a great podcast, and they are doing a live show at LA Podfest. So if you're in LA, come down to the podcast festival on the weekend. It's going to be huge. Um, but if you are in the rest of the world and you would like to watch the live stream of the LA Podcast Festival, here's how you do it. You just go to LA Podfest, you follow the link, and you put in the code TOFOP, T-O-F-O-P. You get $5 off. It's 20 bucks. you get $5 off, and TOFOP and myself and to help this podcast and all those sort of things uh, get $7 back. So for anyone who watches on the live stream, there's over 40 podcasts. You can watch them all live or uh, they archive them for, I think, a month afterwards. So, you know, I, I, I actually subscribe myself every year. It's brilliant. It's brilliant value. You get to discover a lot of podcasts and uh, TOEFOP's going to be huge. Uh, Dave Anthony, Gareth Reynolds, uh, Nick Cody, Laura House, uh, uh, Matt Kirshen, uh, Andy Peters, Graham Elwood, like uh, a cast of thousands dropping in on the podcast. Uh, 
so it, yeah anyway it's going to be fun so if you want to watch that watch that um all right uh what else uh that's pretty much it oh i'm doing a run of improv shows at giant dwarf in sydney so uh basically they're completely improvised stand-up shows so every night different uh we just make up the show in the room when i say we i mean me but you know the audience is involved a bit i ask some questions and get to meet some people and try to weave a whole show out of one night so uh giant dwarf i think it's the last week of october you can find the details i plug them everywhere all right here you go um uh thanks for listening uh if you like the podcast share it around uh if you enjoyed tim you know sort of let him know you know on twitter and all those sort of places that you enjoyed the podcast and uh we'll talk to you again soon all right see ya I'm Will Anderson. Welcome to Willosophy with Will Anderson. I am Will Anderson from the title. I've said my name a lot there at the start of it. Uh, I have a guest. I'm just going to get straight into it and then I'll get to my apologies. I'm going to start with some apologies okay. uh, this episode. But uh, guest, who are you? I'm Tim Tim Min- Minchin. It's quite hard to say in the morning. Right, your own I'm name. Tim Minchin. That's like your own vocal warm-up. It is. And when you're a bit blocked up, it's Tim Bidget. It's hopeless. <laughs> Uh, well, welcome, Tim. Thank Thanks, you very well. much. Thanks, uh, Will. Well, well. I'm, I'm going to start with apologies. Firstly, okay. uh, thank you for, for you coming over to my house. I appreciate that. Um, I know. That, it's a pleasure. No, but I appreciate it because it's I got It's a long in, way west for me. I uh, try not to come this far west. Right. And I got in yesterday and like ordinarily I'd be like, I'll come over to yours. But there's a bit of equipment. And yes. I, and that's what I'm going to apologize about because okay. at the moment... I have you speaking into a sock. Yeah. Not is, a it, microphone sock, but like a microphone with an actual just sock on it. A sock from your foot. Not from my foot. Now, it looks this is, like it's been worn though. It has been worn. So this is what I... Okay. So here's Whose what, foot is it? Holy crap. Whose foot is who's it? What, here's what I want to talk you through. <laughs> <laughs> is this going to change everything? Well, but basically... I mean, my mouth is really close to it just for context. Okay. So I, I want to walk you through this. And if at some stage, like after this, and this is why I want to do this right up the top... If after this you feel uncomfortable with the sock, we can then change the sock. We can remove the sock, you know, but I'll, talk, I'll walk you through it first. Okay. Uh, so basically, um, my podcast equipment, I, I went to a, on a holiday to Spain. Some of the listeners might know about this. And my podcast equipment got stolen out of my bag. So some uh, guy at an airport in uh, Mallorca now is starting his own podcast, apparently. So That's good, like as long as they use it. It's probably okay, I'm, right? I'm, you know what? If that's the origin story for a nice bit of entertainment in yeah. that part of the world, then I'll feel like... You're a sponsor. I'm doing my bit. Uh-huh. It's like an outreach scholarship program. Totally. Yeah, you're donating equipment to poor podcasters. Right. Uh-huh. Oh, well, he's got ambition. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a good origin story. Like, how'd the podcast start? Wow. Oh, I was in the airport. So you're <laughs> just nicking shit. <laughs> and that's Lucky. how I turned my life yeah, around. Totally. Luckily, you didn't steal medic- medical equipment or something. <laughs> Backyard surgeon. <laughs> so um, since then, I, I have some old secondhand stuff. So this uh, thing we're talking into has no back on it. There's like no place, place oh, yeah. to put the batteries anymore. And these microphones yeah. normally had like you know, uh, socks on them. But I got here to LA yesterday and I realized I did not have any. You were socially frustrated. And then last night, I experimented with a whole bunch of things. And socks did it. And socks did it. 
but amazing. they're not my socks. And this is the thing that I wanted to talk you through. Okay. Because I was like, if I'm going to put an actual sock on there, firstly, like the sock has to be clean. But secondly, I then so- suddenly had this thing where I was like, well, I have female socks here or I have like my socks here, which is the more generous. Like, you know, when you have someone over and you use like the good, you know, plates yeah, or whatever. Yeah, totally. You get like, the, good, the good sexy socks out. Right. I These make don't sure. look like girls' socks though. No, they're girls' socks. Big feet? A girl with big feet? Uh, Medium-sized feet, I'd say. Okay. Yeah. So whose socks are they? They're a bit stretched. They're my girlfriend's socks. What's their name? Okay. Okay. So, but they've been washed twice Uh since last night. I'd be happy either way. Because I washed them twice. I was like, you know what? You hand washed them them twice? No, not hand washed. I put put them them through twice. I I don't. With some other things. I didn't exclusively just wash them, but. I have very little squeam in me. I don't, I don't get. Squeam is not a big part of my life. I don't get squeamish. I don't like squashing cockroaches. I really don't like that. And I don't like people talking about um, their skin, like pimples and stuff. Even that word makes me feel uncomfortable. Apart from that, talking into someone else's footwear, not a problem at all. Yeah. Hugs and sharing cups and, you know, I'm fine with all of that. Uh, are you a somebody? No, I like that. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not germophobic or sort of weird about anything. Particularly, no. if I find a hair in my food, I'll be like, ah, oh, someone's hair fell in the food, and right. I'll take it out and eat the fucking food. Right? Know? Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> it's not, usually my hair anyway. To you're not going to go. I'm going to eat that hair just because mm. it's there. But no, but it's no I mean, dirty. You can take then, it straight out. Yeah. It's well, a hair. It's not any worse than the bacteria that's already on your fo- food that you can't see. Yeah. All the little bugs crawling around in your eyelashes, you know, like <laughs> you can't get too squeamish. Otherwise, you'll freak out about the microorganisms on your skin. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, well, every time I like uh, go to the bathroom and I look at my toothbrush there, you know, I'm reminded yeah, of that think, thing that always goes around of like... Yeah. 20 t- billion animals live on your toothbrush. Right. And I, and I always look at it as I'm urinating. I go, yep, that's my toothbrush. Yeah. And then I do nothing with that information. Yeah. Yeah. I do not put it further away. And all the sort and of next fecal time I brush my teeth, yeah, yeah, that's right. I don't even think about it yeah. because that's the world. But I, do you think we're too concerned about those things anyway? Like there is this kind of you know, school of thought that we've become you know, too sort of germ-phobic or whatever yeah. to our own detriment. Well, information's dangerous. I mean, you, you know, like if, if someone does a study that shows a correlation between, you know, we, we, we overreact on everything we learn because of, of its recency, you know. So if the latest study shows fat is bad, we all stop eating fat, and then somehow that study becomes less relevant over time, usually because it's improved upon by another study. But but diet's a classic one, and health, you know, these these studies that show a 0.1% improvement in outcomes if you do this behaviour, and we're not very good at numbers, so we all go, we'll do that behaviour, and like 0.1%, just don't do that, but it doesn't matter, like... You know, the things you should do while you're pregnant is a good example, and I'm not going to sort of lay claim to any special knowledge about that. But, you know, like I, the, all the studies that we do when people are pregnant, because obviously a loss of a pregnancy is a terrible thing and we're trying to control that by studying it, and we find some outcome that's like, yeah, across a population of 20 million people, you know, if you don't eat soft cheese, you'll have two less deaths or whatever. That's a significant stat, arguably. Um, my numbers are wrong, but you know what I mean. Um, but that, on an individual level, that's basically zero. It'll make no difference to your life. You know, so that, we, what, we're what not very good at that. What you're saying is Tim Minchin says, eat soft, <laughs> eat soft cheese, cheese while mm. you're pregnant. Well, 
and all that's what you said not right? if 20 million people are listening right. if only two <laughs> if two people are listening then yeah just do it yeah probably take the risk the yeah. odds are in your favour yeah that, that's the I thing I do know what you know, you know. I, I mean this is a silly way of putting it but the other day uh, I was holding a baby and mm. uh uh, I was reminded of the paranoia that people have around babies' necks. And oh, of yeah. course, of course, they're, you know, they're floppy and they go backwards and you have to protect their neck. Yeah, yeah. But it's the thing that, like, as a person who doesn't have my own children, That's the thing every you know. time you grab its head. a baby, it's the thing, but it's also the thing you're told yeah. constantly, yeah. protect its neck. Yeah. So okay, so now like... here's my controversial position. <laughs> I have never heard of a baby having, like, some sort of neck-related neck injury thing. Because... Like, because the, the level of paranoia... Because surely it must happen all the time regardless, yeah. right? I reckon that they're saying it's a bigger issue than it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying you shouldn't protect the neck. I'm no. just saying this, this massive paranoia about yeah. neck protection seems disproportionate. As a rule, don't let a baby flop around too much. Right. Yeah. But it's like... like and, and then there's measurability factors going on here. So, like... How have we got onto this? But if the if a soft cheese you know thing carries a particular bacteria that one in X million times can get into the system and sure. cause damage to your baby, then of course we should act on that data. But things that are harder to measure, like the stress that mothers have while they're pregnant because they're worrying about soft cheeses and you know uncooked meats and stuff. That stress probably has a greater effect on pregnancy outcomes. All the accumulated stress of the way you're meant to behave, don't have a glass of wine, oh my God, you had a glass of wine, and all the weird looks from LA mums or whatever, that's probably worse for you than, than the, the more, more likely to have a negative outcome. I mean, but that's very hard to measure. So what, you But know. most people my age were born like, out of a generation where like, the healthy option during pregnancy was to switch to menthols. <laughs> You know? Our generation's pretty damaged, though. To be fair. <laughs> I mean, we hope the actually, next one's better. I think that's. I, I do sometimes think that's what it's the heart of a lot of our stuff, which is going. Yeah, we turned out pretty bad. Yeah, that's that we right. kind of know that cool. like there yeah. was some mistakes made, and we're the result of that yeah. mistakes. And we and that's why we're so resentful of the next generation because they're like, wow, like we're I mean, gonna have to fix your shit. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, yeah. So I don't know. I think we're probably. I think we're probably in Western, in places like Hollywood. I, I am, pe- people are, um, the, the more knowledge you have and the more luxury you have in your life. When I say people in Hollywood, I'm obviously talking about the people that I have the pleasure slash uh, honor slash <laughs> horror of spending my life with at the moment, you know, affluent people. Um, the, the more, the less problems you have to solve that are real and tangible, the more problems you you will always find problems, things to stress about and things to try and control. It's human nature to try and control outcomes in a chaotic world, right? So we're like, okay, I want to control, you know, the safety of my children, obviously, you know, my my job and my happiness. I'm going to get happiness. I'm going to do some happiness by doing these seven things that I've heard are good for the happiness in it. And then our bodies in, in, in L.A., in a sort of post-religious world, that's the religion is health and stuff. And so I... I don't know, we are, I feel like in an affluent, the more affluent society is, the more uh, microscopic the concerns get because there's nothing real to worry about. And so they start obsessing over the latest studies showing that, you know, GMOs is a perfect example or um, actually GMOs is not a perfect example because that's another whole freaking topic. But, you know, they'll eating clean, you know, they just they don't even know what the term means or detoxing which is just an advertising phrase that means a- 
absolutely nothing in medical science. It's just, but they like really smart, critical, otherwise critical people in LA are just dumb about diet, like dumb about obsessing about silly stuff, you know. But is that, does, where do you think that comes from? Because, you know, if you think of the universe as ever expanding and you subscribe to that kind of vague notion that everything we do by the nature in the context of the universe makes things more difficult. Like things are never going to get more simple. They're constantly getting more difficult, everything that we do, right? Sure. Um, then what, where is that desire for order or for things that we all inherently have in it? Is it is Why it is just, it so inherent? Is it, it just a reaction to that? Because we know that we can't, you know, control anything on a grander scale that we need to control something on a smaller scale. Like I think that's a very good way of putting it. And 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 we can't even control anything on a smaller scale, right. really. I mean we're doing really, really well at looking after ourselves. I mean humans are incredible at keeping themselves alive and creating technologies to keep themselves more comfortable and to control the world as much as they can. Um and but we are driven as beings to to utterly control it, to make sure we can, we're not victims of the hand of fate, right? So in the old days, we'd create religions to make it feel like there was inevitability, right? It's, it doesn't matter if my kid dies because he's with the Lord now and I'll see him soon, which is a very, very natural and perfectly understandable instinct. Right. And, and by the way, like at the time, yeah, probably fucking nailed that. Yeah. Like, do you mean for the order of society at that point in your evolution, the person who came up with, hey, let's just tell everybody that when your kid dies that everything's going to be cool. Yeah. That really would have solved a lot of issues. That evolved that set of ideas. The reason religion, you know, evolved out of every society is that those instincts of fear, we're very, very bad at going, oh, well, it's fucking chaos (laughs) and I might get struck down or I won't and if I get struck down, my life's over and that's it and we'll never see each other again. Like, it's really, really hard to sit with and that is, that is why it's very, very hard to sit with and even if we don't believe in a religion and we don't believe that we're going to go to paradise and live forever, God knows when that became a desirable idea, but you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, God, God. Oh, God. Uh, my Come idea on. of heaven is a good idea where <laughs> yeah, I never have to worry about anything Yeah, where again. I have no thoughts. Oh, oh that's death. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can have that. I'm done now. Sometimes yeah. if there's turbulence on the plane, I think, unbuckle right. my belt. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> and totally. lean in. That's this my is, version of lean in. A, I'm like, turbulence? <laughs> All right. Let me get ready in the most unconventional, yeah. whatever the opposite of the brace position is, yeah. that's where they'll find when my When they body. search the wreckage, how do I make this? It's a fun a gag. Right. How can I get a laugh out of my death? Yeah, I'm ready. You're definitely going to be. I'm you're definitely going to get a laugh out of your death. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm sure I you'll manage so. it. Um, I hope so. But yeah, and so in a in a secular in a post-religious world, then yeah. of course the instinct's not gone, and so we do useful things. If you believe keeping humans alive is useful, obviously in a macro level it's a bit of a pain, but we do useful things like create medicines and um, and uh, you know look after uh, find ways to. Um, uh, not smoke and have a better diet and exercise and all those um, tangibly uh, empirical things that keep you alive and keep you from the the coming in of the of the darkness, the <laughs> encroaching darkness of impending death. We do everything we can to make make it feel like we're we're going to 
beat her. We're going we're gonna to beat her. Or at least we're going to win for a bit longer. And we do all that because we're just pushing death back because that's the human condition is yeah. the, this horrible screaming sound in the back of your head going, you're going to die. And we do but what But there's got to be an, like an evolutionary like, you know, reason for that, right? That's the thing that keeps us kind of moving forward like in an evolutionary sense well, because the- otherwise if you genuinely – because I theoretically believe in what you said before, which is – that, you know, of course, like I'll, I could step out of here tomorrow and get hit by a car or like whatever. I could just drop dead. I'm at yeah. an age now where it's not even unreasonable that I could just drop dead. And they would go, oh, it's a bit young, but he's in now. He did the drop smoke dead. a lot. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. now he's in the drop dead zone. Drop dead like zone. I'm, I feel I am now. Yeah. Like essentially once you're in your anything past your sort of early 40s, you are in a acceptable just drop dead. Yeah. They go, what did he die of? Oh, yeah, he dropped dead. Yeah, he died. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah, I guess He that, did one of those deaths yeah, he just, that you get these days. Right. So yeah. I believe in that, but you yeah. can't actually live in that like every second no. of your day or like, or live like there is no tomorrow. Like these things are set up, even if it is our work or our yeah. things that we decide are important yeah. so that we don't just live in that moment like that because that would... No, without a doubt, alongside evolving, I mean, obviously humans, your genes perpetuate uh, most, the, the two things we've evolved the macro things we've evolved is we want to live and we want to fuck. So we want to keep ourselves alive long enough so that we can fuck. And this is what, this is selfish gene. This is about, about keeping your genes alive. We, our genes have evolved to teach us to stay alive and fuck. And, uh, some of us don't do much of either. Um, but, you know, we're happiest when we're doing mu- as much as possible, <laughs> as possible of both. And, and so the motive's clear. But the other thing we've evolved is, as you say, na- um, ha- happy naivety or uh, sort of blissful ignorance, right? So although we know we're going to die and that our genes are screaming, don't die, don't die, that's going to be terrible. And, and we've evolved things like love and stuff to keep us connected. It'll be very sad when we die. And all these things are functions of evolved properties sometimes they're emergent properties they're not directly you know there's a whole conversation about how love or how religion are um have um evolutionary advantage uh have um however you don't need everything humans are doesn't need to have had a statistical uh, um sort of survival advantage in the past some of them emerge um things like love and religion probably although you could trace an evolutionary seed for them they evolve without evolutionary pressure is not the only pressure that makes stuff right Right. in in human society and stuff but but we have definitely because it also like the idea of that that evolution like that i guess side by side evolution like one thing being you know fully functional it's like he brings his mate like it's like you know it's like okay look seth rogan's gonna be in this thing yeah (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, you're like, yeah. Jonah Hill's also here. Yeah. And yeah. then Jonah Hill just kind of goes off and has his own career, like yeah. independent of the Seth Rogen sort Yeah, of. that's exactly right. And it's no not... one ever says, hey, Jonah shouldn't be here. So no. Jonah never goes no, away. because Jonah came with Seth. But Jonah yeah. wasn't actually essential to the, <laughs> the evolution. Jonah oh, was just always there. Humanity didn't need Jonah, but it didn't need yeah. Seth to survive. Yeah, but we didn't want Jonah wow. to go away. Poor Jonah. And now we think Jonah is essential. I mean, this is not... This is really, really good. I'm trying to work out... (laughs) Shit, this is perfect. Um, Now we think we actually need Jonah more than we need Seth. Yeah, totally. We We just haven't... And we're trying to work out why we evolved Jonah, but actually he was just a side effect of (laughs) Seth. Um, A lovable, adorable, award-winning side effect. Jonah. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, but there's this... 
this um, fact that, sorry, to back, back to what you were saying, which is that mostly on a day-to-day level, we don't think about it. And that's a very, very good attribute of humans as well, which is that we don't, we kind of suspend our disbelief. We sort of don't believe our deaths. Most of the time, we, we're not present to the tininess of the time we're alive. We're not present to the, the incredible risks we're at all the time of our... We're not present to the fact that the very thing that makes our skin replace itself is also the thing, the process that makes cancer grow. The, the fact that cell division can go bad at any moment in many, many different places in our bodies. If we were present to that, we'd live in constant anxiety and fear. And that's what anxiety and depression and stuff that's what they are they're kind of lack of the drugs that make us ignorant happily ignorant of how fucking scary it is you know? uh, i mean you know I, I have had people close to me in my life whose stories i won't share because they're their stories not my stories but just having seen like and talked to people you know when they are going through those things yeah. about the things that they are worried about they are all things that when you just list them, you go, oh, you know, no, you know fair. what? They that's are all a totally typical. They are, if I thought about those things that much, i got to be honest with you, yeah. that would really get me down too. Yeah, take this pill and yeah. you think about it. It doesn't <laughs> right. solve the problem. What happened them? to your like level of just blurring out naivety that yeah, we all t- do day to day to yeah, get on right. with our lives? Like, yeah. And you're like, I mean, I get it. It's like, you well, know. Well, it's 3 a.m. when you wake up and you're jet lagged, you know, and, and when you've got kids. I mean, there's the fear that crashes in on you when you're – brain has kind of got its defenses down just you cannot believe you'll be able to wake up the next morning and not have that fear it feels absolutely accurate and true and real that i should be constantly petrified when my kids are not in my sight that they're going to get hurt and that's correct 3 a.m me is right but daytime me is happily no, right. flooded with some other well, shit going you're, down. You're going to get like, nothing eh. done if I'm that guy's get nothing there all day. Done. And of course, 3 a.m. me is not right because statistically they'll be fine. Right. And I do a bit in one of my very, very rare new bits of comedy I've got, which says exactly that. You can't live your life on the expectation that something statistically unlikely is going to happen. It's exactly this conversation. That I do this bit about live each day as if it's your last. That's... It's a, stu- it's a stupid fucking thing to say, yeah. you know. <laughs> you should live each day as if it's the first of yeah. 10,000 or so that you're going to have yeah. to live where your actions have ramifications. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, have life. a look at... Yeah, that's... Yeah. But that is the thing, right? You got to... If you're living in the moment, you've got to at least live in the repercussions of the moment, which is statistically likely to happen. Yeah, that it's you're almost like, definitely you know going to happen. You know what? Let's, yeah. let's just not go home yeah. tonight because I'll yeah. probably die on the way home. Yeah. Probably not. Probably not. Probably You'll probably actually, wake up tomorrow morning full yeah. of the maggots of remorse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you're going to be in trouble with your wife. You're going to be in trouble with your boss. <laughs> yeah, like, this is literally yeah. months and months of you having a... <laughs> yeah. Is it worth it, dude? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You yeah. know what? Maybe just go home now, yeah. wake up fresh, <laughs> and enjoy that moment much more than you'd enjoy exactly. any moment that's happening in the that's next two right. hours. Yeah. Yeah. You might not live to see tomorrow, but you probably will. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you like it or fucking not, you know, unless you're going to do something active about it. All right, uh, Tim mm-hmm. mentioned, do you have a philosophy? That's the question that I ask in the podcast, yeah. but really, it's just a conceit, you know? Well, this is it. We're sort of on it. Yeah, you know? okay, good. This right. is my philosophy. Well, that's what normally happens anyway. Yeah. You know, it's kind of how it works. Yeah. Uh, has it always been? I, I, I'm interested in, you know, look, it's, it's, it's hard to even know when to, where to start with you, but I'm interested <laughs> in, like, how early, because I think people see you now, and we'll get to that, and we've already got to it in some part, as a person who does think about these things and then has 
opinions and like you know hopefully kind of well researched or kind of you know good points of view that have been at least thought through mm-hmm. you know Read, I think people read a couple do, of books. Yeah, but I feel yeah. like people do, you know, but you have a sense of, you know, that you are still an entertainer and all those sort of things. But I think people, where did that come from? That's what I want to know. Where's the origin story of that? Because there's got to have been a point in your life where you weren't, you know, read up on these things or yeah. even interested in these things. How far back would I have to go to find a Tim Minchin that wasn't interested in looking at the world like that? I don't know. I, and that's interesting i guess because i haven't really been asked like that because i do look back and i can i can trace things like my interest in alternative medicine you know in false science in quackery and and bullshit and um and how sort of susceptible we are to to because of our obsession with our bodies and stuff how susceptible we are to dodgy science uh probably comes back to a well, I'm from a medical background, so I've always had this dad going, you know, I'd go, oh, my friend, you know, had asthma and he did this thing. And dad's like, oh, we'd have to see the data on that, wouldn't we? And I'm like, that's stupid. My friend got better. And yeah. it took me a long time to understand that an anecdote is not data. I mean, it, that's a really simple step to take, but it's actually not something someone says that to you in a classroom. It doesn't really resonate until you really start to understand numbers and, and start to understand the flaws in humans. In, right. You have to understand well, confirmation the, well, bias. And, and the way the human brain works, that, we're, like, that you know, if someone you know tells you something, mm-hmm. that's that worth you accept more that than 10,000 data points. Yeah. That's why word of mouth in advertising is still the most powerful totally. way of saying it's It's at the heart of all of those things. Absolutely. Very it's, easy to understand. Totally. And... But until you get your head around it, until you get your head around how many mistakes humans make. So there's a few things that... So the, the things that I'm... There's like this set of critical thinking rules or ideas that once you know them, you can't unknow them. And I don't know, I could, I'd love to write a small book because it's, it's everywhere, but it'd be quite nice to do a sort of flippant, silly, funny version of it and i do it in my shows obviously i talk about all this stuff but you know if you understand that the the core the causal fallacies that just because you've got a cold and you take some vitamin c and you get better humans inclined to go causal it's causal the vitamin c made me get better and you're like well no colds are self-limiting diseases you your body fights them and your body wins nearly all the time um against colds and whatever you took you'll think fixed it right so so once you understand causation and the difference between causation and correlation. Once you understand confirmation bias, which is, you know, once you've taken that vitamin C, next time you take it again and you go, ah, it worked again. And then you, if you take it a few times and it doesn't work, human tendency is to discard that data and only, only keep the data that supports the hypothesis that you've generated out of your false causal assumption right so and then you've got and then and then big ideas like um occam's razor the idea that the solution to any question is most likely the um the the answer that requires the introduction of the least new assumptions so if you see a light in the sky it's probably a weather balloon or a thing because to assume it's aliens requires introduction of the assumption that not only are there intelligent beings in the near galaxy but they visit us and don't say hi right it, it's a huge assumption whereas the weather balloon requires the introduction of no new so that's occam's razor yeah. and then you know so you, you get this toolbox right and once you've got it 
it's firstly very and, and more than anything the fallibility of human memory the fact that you just that you're and then you go all the way into what it is to be a human but our our idea of ourselves are just a bunch of narratives you know just a bunch of stories we tell and those stories are susceptible to all these human foibles and thinking we are the hero of our own story or the victim of our own story we're always at the center of everything and it's all bullshit our memories are terrible i mean i always say to people i say if you want to know something that happened in my life don't ask me (laughs) i am an unreliable narrator you are the worst possible i am the worst i like i did a whole bit in one of my shows but like in my last like special in Illuminati about it's 15 minutes about me going to this first ever gig i did in america and on the way to the gig i like i'm looking for a sign and matt damon stumbles out of this like new york cab and like yeah says this thing to me and this this story has been my favorite story all my life it's like this origin story of me coming to america and it's so integral but like the reveal spoilers but you know it's been out for ages is at the end that that did not happen it happened to my girlfriend and she told me about it on the way to that gig and somehow in my memory it all got but i swear like i tell this thing i can see it like this story you can I see him stumbling show. out of the car. I can see the whole thing. And do you it do that? Happened. I steal stories. My siblings and I steal stories off each other all the time. I'll be like, oh, remember that time I went and my sister's like, that, that's me. And I'm like, that's fucking my story. And she's like, no, that I did. That was my story. You know, like we do it all the time. We are bad, you know. And, and when you start to understand that the whole legal system in Western society, in all the world, is based on the idea that humans remember shit accurately... I mean, it's a total nightmare. We are right. hopeless, you know. And so, so I, I, I guess I am neurologically primed to be the sort of person that enjoys thinking about that shit. And, I, and then a few experiences happen, you know. You get a, a friend who died of something that they, uh, one of these interesting diseases that doesn't have a cure, and you go through with them an experience of all the quacks who say, do this, and you just think, oh, my God. My friend's dying and people are trying to sell her shit. I mean, right. it's very, very, makes you very cross, you know. And then, oh, you know, my, when my wife first had a baby and she had breastfeeding problem and, we, and some doctor recommended someone, a homeopath, and I didn't really know what a homeopath was. And they come around and, and then I read up on it and go, my wife's in right. terrible pain and really emotionally distressed because in the way a women are under a huge pressure and she wants to breastfeed and she's in pain and there's someone selling us sentient violet and it's just really, like really expensive ah, i know and it's just bullshit and right. i just and so so like but that's but that's the thing. you intercept like, there's a part things, of you that you says know? like you know if i've got a cold <laughs> and i'm silly enough to go to a homeopath and get my thing and whatever who cares right yeah that's but right. there's the other part of you goes oh when people are in this like level of pain and yeah. you're selling them like quackery yeah, which that's an ethical that's, issue that's isn't it yeah because because really. they could be off getting actual treatment there's yeah. this Australian woman that I don't want to like talk about her too much oh, because yeah. I feel like she's got some like mental health problems yeah, and I don't want to like kick someone when they're down despite what happened beforehand. But her name was Belle Gibson. Yeah. And the the people I would like to give a kick on the way through were the publishers of her book and the people because People were like, well, we didn't know it was which, you know, we, like, of course she did. You know, remember when she said, and if that you, you didn't, you're not doing your cancer with job. soup or whatever yeah. it was? Yeah. Then the minute she says that, because if you could cure cancer with soup, yeah. guess what? You'd be able to get at hospital. Yeah. Soup. When you come in straight away, they you, wouldn't. You get all this soup. Right. This soup that's what, yeah. They would literally have a soup kitchen. That'd be, <laughs> they'd take you through the soup kitchen on the way. On the in. way. Everyone would get a soup first. Just I to totally soup. agree about Belle. She, the, the reason for those listeners who don't know, and I agree, I think. We could, we should talk about witch huntery, and our. I mean, I guess it is a very common thing to talk about at the moment because the question of how 
badly we need to lynch someone that did something wrong and when we let off you know right and that, but but bell gibson did a terrible thing in that yeah. she sold quack cancer cures on the basis of a story that she had cured her own cancer yes she never had cancer no she made it up. now that upsets people yeah i don't have if she did have cancer ate soup and got better or she didn't have cancer ate soup and said it made it better. They're both total yeah. lies. Yeah, it doesn't and to matter. sell... Because neither of them, the soup cured the cancer. They're both not based on science. Neither of them, yeah. exactly. The soup never cured no cancer. Right. Not in and the one the with cancer. cancer or the actual Or the cancer. real cancer. Exactly, yeah. Will. And so there's no moral <laughs> distinction for me. Every person who's ever done a book saying this is a cure for a disease that kills people that is not supported by rigorous, double-blinded studies clinical trials is immoral right is unethical. it's the same, it's the same extremely thing. unethical the fact that her origin story is bullshit is kind of like well what a weirdo like yeah. as you say pro- obviously has a problem right with lying and stuff but yeah. that's not the ethical but it's the that's fact not that, the ethical issue. yeah no it's the fact that we a allow a society like our inner society where that sort of stuff isn't laughed out every time every somebody time. says it yeah like that some of it is like really you know there like, there's a guy in australia called pete evans who's like a celebrity chef he hosts uh, uh-huh. my kitchen rules he's also got a lot of opinions about like paleo diets and like giving babies bone broth and yeah. how you yeah. know sunscreen causes cancer and like you know you shouldn't drink water and milk's oh, bad wow. for you and all sorts of and it's know. all good healthy good Aussie healthy yeah and he know. gets so much airtime and print time and all these sort of things where he's really you know basically when he put out his book you know there was doctors saying this will kill children yeah. like you know if people actually follow no this. he should go to jail I mean, probably he should go to jail or get all his profits taken off him and donated to medical science. But instead, he gets just pages and pages of like free coverage. You know, David Avocado Wolf. Is there a guy called David Avocado Wolf in Australia? I mean, I'm pretty I, sure I, there I is. hope there is. I, think there I is. hope there is. Shit, you know, and my friend David Avocado it. Smash Wolf. Is it? <laughs> I think Smashed Avocado Wolf. <laughs> Smashed Wolf Avocado. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, yeah. So I, I don't know why I'm so interested. The the bad part of me that makes me the 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 negative the negative part of my personality is self righteousness you know like we're all self righteous beings uh-huh. that that also links to the lynching the on internet lynching thing we're all very self righteous we want talk about being the center of your own narrative we want to be right we want to show people we're right we're awful and I acknowledge that in myself so and, when I get and up, then we frame the world in yeah, a way where we are right where so, we're right and it's and it's honourable like so me yeah. getting up and ranting against alternative medicine. I can frame that, say, well, it's an ethically terrible thing and someone needs to stand up and speak. And, and religion, and, yeah. you know, and we could I tell you, I'd love to hear your thoughts, uh, assuming you heard it on my Cardinal Pell song, which was, uh, you might not have actually, it was no, very much in Australia. I, no, no, I was, well, I was, yeah, we, I, we'll get to that. But, um, you know, so I do these grand, um, morally righteous things in my comedy and my work, and I frame it as me doing good for the world, but... A lot of it has come from, yeah, I'm, I'm right and I get paid to be right. Like, we're all built of that gross stuff as well. But if you're going to be built of self-righteousness, it's good to have science to back you up so at least your self-righteousness is manifesting itself in a positive way in the world, not a negative way. But then how do you personally, because to go back to one of the things you mentioned earlier, which is confirmation bias, Yeah. how do you, uh, within your self-righteousness, mm. be careful of, of, that you don't, 
you know, get in that loop. Get in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So search out information that only you know proves that you are right about these things. Absolutely, and this is why, this is why the internet and social media, I think, might be more globally damaging to humanity than. I mean, I know a lot of people say it, but I, the the fact that the social media is a confirmation bias machine. And Google, the worm is a confirmation well, bias it literally, As in built into the built, algorithm uh, is. It, uh, it the goes, more you Google things, the more you get information that supports the yeah, things. Yeah, and you can switch that off, but no one does because no. they actually want to only support their own worldview. Right. And so the left gets further left and the right gets further right. And all my friends who believe uh, you know, in refugees only hear this stuff. And by the way, I'm, I'm left on all these issues. Maybe not as I try to be, try to be sensible. Do you know what it is, actually? It's attributing – it's the ease with which we tr- attribute evil as a motive to those we disagree with. Right. That's what the internet supports. So all my left friends can only now think that the only reason that there are refugees on Nauru and stuff is that the people doing are evil people. Now, I don't believe in evil. And, I, in fact, more than that, I believe people are fundamentally good and try to do good within their own framework. So I think – our refugee policy looks and smells like evil. I think it's terrible. However, that's not helpful and it's not going to sort it out because it's wrong. There's no one evil. <laughs> Let's lock up the Browns. You know, that there's a lot of that going on subconsciously, but the le- my, my, my friends, some of my dear friends are, are insane about the way they frame this and what they read and, the absolute then i think the left is worse than the right in this mm-hmm. there's actually a study that i'm coming that i can't quote but we are not interested in engaging in the narrative of people who are politically opposed to us we do not listen i think there's something uh, a couple of things about that both of, like that's very fascinating and i i do think that the left can be really guilty of it because I think there's a thing about the revelations of compassion, like that you suddenly, the minute you, uh, you know, accept a progressive position, there is this inherent thing that comes with it that you've always believed that, yeah. and you forget the asshole you were a week ago where you didn't know that tranny wasn't a word you should be using. Totally. Do you know what I mean? Like totally. the minute that you suddenly know, like there's something that comes with that. It's that the makes self-righteousness. You, right. Mm-hmm. And you act as if. You, You've always been on board with the, the minutiae of trans politics, right. you know. Uh, in defence of the progressive, at least we listen and right. try to learn and, and adjust hard when we adjust. But, but you're right, that's right. You, 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 the reason we're progressive is proximity, right? We've got gay friends and trans friends right. or at least a friend who has a trans friend and we, you know, if, if we're a progressive Jew, it's because we at some point engage with the narrative of a palestinian you know like in that on that issue uh, it's so so all the people on the right who are not progressive would be progressive with increased proximity but we're not even going and talking to them but all the people on the right will are even progressive in in relation to human history of course so because the nature of human kind is, is that pro- it is essentially it eventually progresses like yep. this is the thing about progressive politics even to a certain extent is 
at the end of the day, they always still will win because we do tend to evolve, you know, better human rights and all those things throughout history, regardless of the right and the left. There will and be there a might point. be some swings back, but right. it will always eventually go yeah, up. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't think we're going to go back to a time. I imagine, I hope that, like, you know, that you know, that same-sex marriage, you know, will go backwards rather than it just being a thing that is well, more unless widely... society collapses completely. Right. In which case, we go back to. Well, I mean, if it stabbing each other, th- that could all still happen. I <laughs> mean, this is it's a, possible. I don't think so, but um, you never know. But yeah, yeah but the thing about the true. refugee thing that I was going to say was that I think there is also a thing about uh, having things right in our face yeah. versus them being an acceptable level away of us having to engage with them on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Because what you found in Australia is like when the uh, kids were uh, over in Australia being treated and then the medical people wouldn't let them go home and there was great rallying amongst the Australian population of people going, no, That's let them stay mm-hmm. because they're there. Yeah. What the governments in Australia have done a very good job of is no, keeping not, it an arm's, arm's length away of yeah. like, we've got this problem solved and we're not even going to, you're not even going to have to hear about it. You don't it. have to walk past. We're not going to have to hear, mm-hmm. we're going to actually keep it so secret. We're not going to let in journalists. We're not going to report on it. Like, yeah. we've just solved it. Don't ask too many questions. Yeah, you're not, Look, yeah. if you think about it too much, you, yeah. you're not going to like no. it. No. But we've given you yeah, permission to Don't worry, to I'll be, get my hands dirty so you don't have to. Look, you know what? We'll give you a couple of excuses. They're coming to take your jobs or, yeah. or they're going to be on unemployment. Pick which one. Probably yeah. both. Yeah. They'll be on un- unemployment and take your jobs. <laughs> uh, there you go. Is that and you're on unemployment, but they're going to take yeah, your jobs. Some of them are brown. <laughs> yeah. Probably a terrorist or two. I don't yeah. know. Here's some excuses. Yeah. Now, don't think about it too much. Go yeah. about your day. Yeah. And I think to a lot of reasonable people, because we make those... When I buy my newest iPhone, I'm I'm making that same sort of tacit agreement in my mind is that i know that iphones aren't made without some sort of you know suffering suffering in that system yeah. but i skip down there and i you know yeah, i hand well, over my like, money and i'm very good at we're very i think it's good. terrible that apple don't pay their share of taxes in australia but i still, still bought my iphone there's cognitive dissonance right we're good at running two programs at once this is like the death thing right we we understand that our children might get cancer and that death's going to come but we just run a a happier program most of the time unless we get tired at 3am and the other program (laughs) rises up and it's the same with there is no it is very very difficult to decide you're going to live an ethical life that like like you're going to nail it you know i'm going to be ethical in every action it's very 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 hard everything you do you have eddie perfect had a had a so, uh, a song or a bit oh yeah a song ages ago called maybe taking myself away which was just like I, I, the only thing to do is kill yourself get yourself out of the don't, don't be a consumer don't be a, one of these human monsters fucking everything up of course there's ethical problems with that because your loved ones suffer for your death but you know like but the notion that you should absent yourself from the game is that being the only way to live ethically or be ethical is uh is is true i mean however the knowledge, I, yeah, the knowledge of that shouldn't make you go ah i'm not going to try but also, a lot of people do that but also the argument that you it, i guess it depends if you consider like your human life to be like singularly yours like whether you are just you at the end of the day yeah. and you only have responsibility at the end of the day to true to fully realize you in yeah. whatever way that means yeah. or you have a broader responsibility to 
someone other than yourself, whether it be your family or a broader society or whatever. Yeah. Because that idea of you just killing yourself as you without wanting to be too macabre about this to yeah. people, the ramifications that you would then have on other people's yeah. lives, the people who found you, the pity. loved ones who yeah. like you it's a deeply you forever thing to do. more yeah. have like poisoned their human yeah. experience totally. with yours. So you haven't yeah. you'd like, need to maybe, do it. You need to do it before you were born. Yeah. yeah. Lived yeah. And, and didn't recycle. Yeah. Maybe that yeah, would have actually totally, been yeah. a more ethical contribution. Oh, you know? God. I think it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, so you... Hang on. I'm going to pause just okay. for a second because I'm going to make another coffee and then we can do a time check and we'll come back. Okay. We're back. Uh, Hi. Good coffee. Yeah. Okay. I made it in a machine. Uh, so ethically, again, you know, those pods, I have to recycle them. George Clooney George does Clooney. the ads and he uses the money to fund a drone that overlooks a, a warlord in South Sudan. So ethically, that's how I'm justifying that one. Does he really? Yeah, it's true. He, he funds uses a the drone money. Yeah, it, that overlooks a, a warlord. Yeah. In South Sudan, I think. I think that's where it is. But yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Do all these famous people who do ads use the money for charity? Yeah, Tim. They all do. <laughs> Because I don't yeah, understand. That'd be all right if they I did. don't understand why else you'd. I don't understand how in the last ten years it became totally fine when you're an artist to sell a watch. Like why? Why is? Why is that good for you? I've always had a bit of a thing about, and I did an ad when I first, uh, and it was actually probably the best thing that I ever uh, did in my life, like resetting up my career. Right. But I do. I've always thought it, there's a weird thing between. Like being an actor in an advertisement, like, you know, if you're an actor or you're a young performer or whatever oh, and course. you get a role. You're playing a role. Then sure. But, but that moment you. where you're like, I'm a celebrity and as a celebrity I endorse blah, blah, blah. Like that is a weird thing to me. I don't make. understand. That Johnny Depp thing where he gets out of the car and digs a hole and he looks all sexy and I he's mean, selling that's, a perfume. Is yeah, that a Also joke? just in relation to like what's going on in Johnny Depp's life. I feel like the idea of him like digging a hole in the desert to yeah. bury things. and It sounds about right, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it's not, it's not great. Uh, okay, uh, you know, I, I want to um, uh, ask you a few things, and we're yeah, we have a bit of a limited time uh, span here, so I want to certainly get to... the listener will turn off pretty soon. So, so... <laughs> I'll try not to answer everything in twenty minutes. No, 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 it's good. I like it. I mean, look, to be honest, we get to we've got to some of the things that you know we normally get to anyway, which is you know religion and you know death and and you know like what you think happens and all those sort of things of you know. They've Do been you ever talk to anyone who thinks that like you have a spirit and shit? Yeah, I mean, do. I've had some. Yeah, I've had yeah. Uh, some really cool religious Talk to people. Talk any on. like proper ayahuasca, LA ayahuasca types who go uh, take the drug and go on the trip and say they sell God and stuff. Look, I have had similar experiences Bet to that. You have. Yeah, so I've I've done those things, you know, in a kind of, you know, searching for you know yeah, whatever. Yeah, I sense. find it very very interesting. I was I was explaining to a friend uh, last night my perspective on life a little, mm-hmm. and I said I am. A person who has kind of a, a, a quite a little set a bunch of beliefs about what I think life is about mm-hmm. and the nature of existence, mm-hmm. but I then am very fascinated by what everybody else thinks it's yeah. about, and yeah. so I'm happy. I'm happy as a tourist to visit other people's bullshit. I guess is what the best way I put it. Yeah. So if I'm having a conversation with like a you know a, an Islamic person, yeah, yeah, you know, I I would love to know everything about what it is oh, and how they too. connect to it. Like yeah. I went to a Jewish wedding, like a traditionally Jewish wedding, where I only knew like the couple who were getting married, and they split everyone into men and women, and oh, wow. it was one of the best days of my entire life because yeah. I just essentially got to go as a tourist to a whole different. And I was asking about the foods, and I finally learned 
about the kosher stuff and what it all meant and what yeah. the history of it was. So interesting. I love it. Yeah. Like I am a person who loves doing all those things, but it doesn't. Then when I go back to, but what do I believe? I still yeah. like, I don't go away and go, hey, I'm Jewish now. Or like no. some people find that very hard to understand how you can be like sure of some stuff without it meaning you're um, like closed-minded or culturally isolated or like, like, and this is a bit about the, the left's problem as well, which is this sort of notion of relativism that any idea is as good as another, you know, that you can't say on the left um, um, Islam at its core is not a set of beliefs that I think are good for humankind. Obviously, that's a you. I mean, even saying that, I know that statement's wrong. But you could say, is the idea that a single book holds um, uh, the word of God is what I mean? Is is just a bad idea? It's a terrible idea. Uh, a terrible idea for ethics and progress and stuff. The idea that a, a book holds all the secrets. Terrible idea. And and the the Quran might have more sort of doorways to really bad shit than the bible in my understanding they're both pretty fucking terrible you know you could make a if you wanted to make arguments yeah for them being terrible you could make a whole yeah. bunch of arguments for each of them yes and i think currently in the world things and i will get in trouble for this because and i'm not saying i know i'm not i'm not super educated about islam i don't claim to be i do however think so so let's not talk about islam any set of ideas that they think are uh, quantified and, and restrained into one book and that that book is put ahead of other books in education systemically like therefore um schools that say you read this not that anything that um, says women, um, women's educational opportunities should be less than men. And I'm not, I'm not saying that all, obviously not all Islam or all Christianity or whatever, but where it is like that is bad to me. And I think there's a right. way you can talk about that in a, quantifi- in a quantifiable sense in terms of human rights and ethics and progress and hu- human, how humans are going to exist on this planet going into the future. You can have a, an argument using our brains and our knowledge and our critical thinking skills to make a, a judgment call on whether radical Islam or even not hugely radical Islam, anything other than the most progressive Islam, I'd say it's not as good as humanism. As a as a sort of pragmatic humanism, the sort of worldview I have, um, which sounds incredibly self righteous, but I think that's possible to have that conversation, and I think it's possible to have that conversation without having any problem whatsoever going to an, an, a Muslim country, an Islamic country, engaging with their culture, and falling madly in love with the people, and getting huge benefit from listening to an imam talk about life and how the Quran has affected him. None of that's mutually exclusive. I, I, I have no less respect for Muslim A than I do for humanist C. That, that's nothing to do with it. That's people. I'm talking about root philosophy, the basis of how we think about the world and how we are going to go ahead as humanity in a very busy planet with all these connecting fibers now. There's no borders because of the internet. How, how do we talk about that without going... Oh no, 
So person A and person B are equal, but philosophy A and philosophy B are not equal, and we must be allowed to talk about that, I think. It's interesting, yeah. And it, look, I mean, it's an interesting topic because for me, you know, what we're talking about again is like the soup. We kind of, we're agreeing that the soup, like, you know, so the soup being the God or the, yeah, like, the one the, set of ideas or the whatever the solution, it is, the, the solution, right? Snitch, the go- yeah. yeah, exactly. We, we agree that we don't think that there is a soup. Yeah. So exactly. however you made the soup, whatever your recipe for the You're soup is. You're not a bad person for lacking soup right. or believing it's wholesome. I want to see what your wholesome. soup is, or, yeah, you know, right. and I'm happy to see what your soup is compared to this soup, and yeah. I might actually prefer this soup to that soup. There you may have be some, such an interesting brain, Will. But it's pretty much just soup. <laughs> yeah, it's soup soup. Oh, sorry, by the yeah. way, this episode yeah. brought to you by Campbell's Soup. <laughs> Nice. Uh, like if you could just That's really great. subtly That's great. <laughs> make everything about soup. This brought to you by Andy Warhol. Um, yeah, I, I think that'd um, be a great last piece of Warhol art. If, yeah. it, if I just got a knock on my door and they're like, it turns out that Andy in like <laughs> some great last piece of art, like some factory like thing, predicted the rise of podcasts and put some money aside. <laughs> for like, Thanks a lot. Thanks, man. The Warhol Estate thanks you. Yeah, so, look, and I do understand how hard it is if, if you're a Muslim listener listening to this and, and Islam is your culture and your family and your beautiful grandparents and the, the, you, you've got a, this beautiful text that is uh, at the core of how you self-identify and some wanky, uh, you know, West Australian entitled white male, you know, guy who's read a few books is says you're... Basically, what you hear is your culture's less valid than my culture. So I, I get that. So this is our quandary. How do we say, oh, having one book's bad, and by the way, there's definitely no God. That's a terrible idea that came a long, long time ago, and the only reason you believe it is because you were brainwashed as a child. I mean, that, that's a set of truths for me. I could be argued out of them if, if someone argued well, but... Basically, everyone who's religious got told when they were at a very vulnerable right. time and, and their culture's set up so that breaking from it is very, very difficult. So you run that program. So I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's that the answer's made by a slightly odd guy in 600 AD um, are not the answers to the life, the universe and everything. That's, but but is uh, it... And like, I guess the thing that I would ask or the, is that... There's a difference between that, like acknowledging that and actually invalidating somebody's That's right. choice or existence. Because, I mean, to, I'll, I won't use a super analogy this time. No. I'm going to use a football one, right? Okay, good. So, much better. Like, imagine like all the different belief systems as being like football teams. Now, Which my, they are, by the way. My football exactly team hasn't been in a grand final since 1961. But you couldn't convince me that I would have got any more joy in my life out of the struggle and like whatever involvement Who hasn't been in, in the grand final since 61? Footscray, the Western oh, Bulldogs. Oh, of course. And uh, <clears throat> they are playing in their preliminary final this weekend, and uh, which means they might play in their first grand final. We're since very excited, yes. I forgot that. My but, family uh, is very excited now. The Dockers are out, that the doggies might get up. Yeah. I, I mean, I, anyway, whatever. Yes, yes, yes okay. That's another podcast. That, you know, my religion, my thing, my way of life, my choices, my philosophy doesn't need to be the one that wins every year. I don't actually have to, like, why can't we just get to a point where I can just like, yeah, okay, we're like competing and it's the marketplace of ideas and all those sort of things. But also, I can just choose to support this team that, yeah. you know, I know probably isn't going to win all the time, but gives me a different connection and yeah. life story. And that's, that's my true, passion. But unfortunately, my... the, your, where your analogy falls down is where it really matters, which is that um, football teams don't 
have outcomes that uh, that are things like um, equality, education, and death and life. Um, no, and I'm just, what I'm saying is we should add that to football. I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, really put something. If you on win the a grand line. final, you yeah. get books. Um, exactly. I, yeah, I, you I can burn whatever books you like yeah, in the name right. of your. <laughs> I think. Um, I right. think. I think that's true. I do understand how absurdly sort of how brutally sort of offensive it would seem if you're an intelligent, loving Muslim as, of course, you know, the vast majority of Muslims, just like the vast majority of people are good, loving people, to hear someone say there's no truth in your truth. Right. But does that mean no one ever says that? And if so... We're fucked because we can't say that soup doesn't cure cancer. We have to be able to quantify our beliefs and talk about how they will impact the world. You know, and I think religion has done great good through... I, my hypothesis is that religion is, a, is a, a net bad in the world. Now that we have so many other ways to talk about the world, I don't think it's a net bad in history. It's impossible. I suspect it is. I suspect if we'd gone more with the Greeks rather than sacking the library of Alexandria and going towards the Christians, I think that would have been better. But there's no way to say that. Right. You can't judge you never that. Know. All we can say is now, let's look what we've got. Let's look what we know. Right. Let's give people... Let's not, in London, open a whole lot more faith schools and, and segregate children by their parents' erroneous beliefs. Let's, make, let's talk about this and let's... And in talking about it, we have to make a judgment call on whether one set of beliefs is better than the other. Right. Oh my God, it's so hard. I mean, then, and then you're an asshole. But it is hard because it's like that, you know, the, and I think this is why sometimes like we just wait for generations to die out so we can move on. Yeah. Like, you know, you see it, you know, with the younger generations on things. And that's what I talk about the nature of, you know, progressive things. But yeah. sometimes there is that backlash, you know, and when we get torn apart and we're in this like age, as you said, full of confirmation bias where, yeah. you know, you the only information, read what you need to read. Yeah. It's at one of those points where it just becomes, I guess, like a perfect storm again for, yeah. I mean, well, you've seen it already with like Brexit and what's Trumpy. happening in America with Trump. So let's talk about that to finish because I'm interested in your perspective Ugh. as being a person who's from other yeah. but here now and like, you know, making a, a life and a, a good life in America and I think, you know, enjoying yourself here, like feeling like it's a... Oh, problem. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm moving back to Sydney next Christmas. I mean, we've okay. got an out plan. All right, yeah. And maybe this Christmas if Trump gets in. So you know. what, I firstly, what, what's your take on the whole thing? Do you think there is a chance that he, he could get in? Like... People ask me all the time, and I forever said no, but the more you say no, he, he keeps coming and coming yeah. and coming. So. Well, I, I didn't think there was a possibility that the English would vote to leave Europe, but my assumption was based on the fact that every freaking expert, every person who knew anything about economics or geopolitics or history, they all went, don't leave Europe, you freaking idiots. And all the people went, I don't care. Right. And like Michael Gove said, we're sick of experts. That that's my take on it. It's well, and the other it thing is the is loss of in that for echo expertise. chamber mm-hmm. sense. Like I didn't think it would happen because all the people I follow from the exactly UK right. on Twitter are fucking lefty comedians. Yeah, and I it's could exactly right. You're so in America, it's the same thing, and it is. I banged on a bit about this. Um, when I talked to Herring on Herring's podcast recently. Um, the, the there is. Um, 
it relates to what I was just saying then about how offensive it would be if you're an intelligent uh, Muslim listening to me talk. You'd just be like, dude, I hate you, you know. It, similarly, we, we've got to a point where because, because it's very, very hard to know what good information is because of the internet. The, the good information and bad information kind of look the same. There's no curation of the quality of information. Right. There used to be like, well, if you want to know what good stuff is, go to a university or read the Encyclopedia Britannica and obviously it's massively flawed, but at least, you know, and Wikipedia is Wikipedia is infinitely better source of information than anything else on the internet. And yet people go, bloody Wikipedia, it's a liberal conspiracy. So even Wikipedia, even this incredible thing, which I know has a lot of problems, but... It's an incredible thing. Do not come to me and go, bloody Wikipedia. Wikipedia is the most incredible human, collation of human information ever. It right. is absolutely remarkable. And the I fact know. we Pe- take it for granted all, well, yeah. is ridiculous. People are always like, you know, they're like, well, it's not as accurate as the encyclopedia. And I was like, pretty sure there wasn't a whole page on me in the encyclopedia. Yeah, totally. I There's, feel like Wikipedia is covering off a little bit more than the encyclopedia. It's so much <laughs> more accurate on mass. There are a right. lot more flaws because there's... Of but it, but it's, it's a moving thing. Like yeah. knowledge is, it's a moving thing. And obviously you can bugger it up, but... But, you know, if you want to know something, you're better off going to Wikipedia than just typing, is Donald Trump a genius into internet, you sure. know. But, but um, apart from Wikipedia, we shouldn't have to say apart from Wikipedia, but the fact is people find the information that suits their, bi- their biases. And, and so what, what we have is a situation where the notion that being more educated means you have better information about a thing. Now, note the absurdity of this sentence. Being more, the notion that being more educated means you know more about a thing, uh, have more expertise on a thing, um, is in question. We now seem to think that just because you're educated on a thing, don't tell me what to do. So it's like society has gone, yeah, you might be a microbiologist, but I'm going to make, I'm going to have soup, not antibiotics, you know, and. And the idea that yeah. we're going to vote for Trump, who's never read a book and has never done any politics and is putting aside that he's quite clearly got a personality disorder and he's just a total knobber because that's a judgment call. What you don't have to make a judgment call on is that he's a dodgy businessman who's never doesn't read books. He's not interested in humanity or politics or diplomacy. Hillary, it's, it's I mean... There's a lot of problems with Hillary because of how deeply she's been embedded in this big, big, dirty machine. Well, because he is a reaction to the system, the fact that she is He's so representative of the of system, the system is, is, is obviously a problem because he has grown literally out of that frustration with the system yeah. and you couldn't get somebody who at least feels from an outsider's point of view. You could make a bunch of arguments going, she's a woman who's going to be president. That is a complete rejection of the system just that's on right. that very basic that's right. level. But, like, we, but, but, but that's not the way that's not the way we look at it. So, so look at the guy Elizabeth Warren slammed yesterday, the head of Wells Fargo Bank. If you've been travelling, you might not have seen that video. You've got to watch it. So, so, so imagine Hillary is as bad as one of those bankers who ran scams for years and then collapsed the world economy, right? Mm. Maybe she is. 
I don't think she is. I think she's an incredible woman, and therefore I lose the ears of any right wing listeners of your podcast, of which there's probably three. Yeah, I think she's I done mean, mostly amazing hate thing. listening, so yeah. they'll probably just, <laughs> yeah, to right. be honest, they'll probably just really be strapping <laughs> themselves in yeah. there. Like, I wanted to get to the stuff where I could really hate him. <laughs> yeah, totally. Here we go. Yeah, but Hil- let's say Hillary's terrible and she's a warmonger and stuff and let's be like my lefty friends and pretend that any act of war is just an act of hate and aggression and that there is no historical precedent for the need for it i i I wish there was no war too i think it's probably really really hard running america in terms of military and stuff um so let's say war is just bad and hillary's terrible and stuff let's say she's like the head of wells fargo who ran the scam between 2008 whatever up to 2008 collapse the thing it's literally like they're going we hate those bankers let's vote in a clown right and he'll run the banks an actual clown like a clown yeah, an who does clown. kids party a, ch- a children's yeah. party clown like a children's party clown who's like does who, who's like known for his balloon animals but yeah. they always pop exactly he's not a Cirque du Soleil clown no he's like a he's shitty children's like, a, like yeah. he's a slightly dodgy children's clown, clown who may have touched up some of the kids yeah. and who's known for his balloon animals but like 50% of them pop. Right, yeah. Let's get him to run the banks. That's better than that asshole. I'm sorry, even if Hillary is the biggest asshole banker Wall Street fuck in the world, I would rather the banker bank run by a corrupt banker than a children's kitty fiddling party clown. This, this might not be a question. That, I know we need to finish up in a second, so I, I don't want to like bog you down in something, and I don't want to ask you a question that you don't want to answer. So if you, if you don't want to answer it, that's fine. But I'm gay, I'm gay. No, I'd be interested no. in hearing your thoughts on like uh, the Jimmy Fallon Trump thing. Did you see Oh, yes, that? but I didn't, I didn't follow any... By the way, I'm trying not to read as much internet. So he, he did something with his hair? Yeah. I mean, he, the happened? fact that he had him on and he didn't kind of really ask him anything... You know, that, well, the argument was made that perhaps with, the, you know, the opinions that he has and whatever, getting him on and just like kind of making him lovable by... You know, kind of tussling his hair and like you know playing fun and games. Fallon's a traitor. That it, that maybe that isn't an appropriate thing to do as an entertainer, or that maybe it should. Yeah, you, know, you have a responsibility to be more hard hitting, or you know, I, don't, I mean, like I don't know. Like, do you have thoughts on well, that? Well, I, I have very strong say? thoughts on false balance, right? So, ABC, BBC, and certain this notion that this is the soup thing. So, there's a notion that you should be balanced, right? And this it all connects, and perhaps is a good way to end. It all connects. To this idea that um, what we're talking about—that all ideas are equal—and that to claim that some are, are better than others is is an act of uh, microaggression towards whatever minority group or whoever holds those positions, right? So, it uh, some people would hold that don't don't you know big pharma just wants you to believe soup doesn't cause cancer, and, and you can have these arguments. So in the media we go oh, We've got a party clown and a slightly, you know, maybe corrupt politician. We better, and half of America think the party clown's a better idea than the corrupt politician. We better represent them half and half, do the right thing by the balance. No, no, no. Fallon should, Fallon's people should, must make a judgment call on what ideas are worthy to put in the world. You wouldn't, you wouldn't go, you wouldn't get a, a, the head of the Ku Klux Klan on and let him talk about, like, seem charming, you know, when his dad lynched, a, you know, whatever. Like, it's not okay. Trump's ideas are not equal. They're not equal, and you don't give them equal time. Fallon, if Fallon got Trump on by way of going, well, he we should be balanced, that's 
Bullshit. Absolute bullshit. Trump's a fucking clown. He shouldn't be given... We should all just shut the fuck up about him. Like, I've never tweeted about him. Ever in my life. Every day I get this stuff and I just want to go... I did, but I didn't name him the other day. Uh, I, I wrote a description of him without naming him, just let people assume who I was talking about. <laughs> but, but I have tried to do my bit and just right. go, shut up, shut up. If a year ago the media had just gone, ah, he's just a knobber, we're right. going to write about a female coming into power and the, the positive, you know, like... That, not that they should be editorialising, but are you fucking joking Trump needs more exposure? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, shut up about him. He's a dick. Just don't talk about him. Now it's too late and we have to just do everything we can to talk about his bad sides. All right, Tim. I know you have to go, so um, uh, let's finish it up. Uh, plug something. You got something to plug? No, I've got nothing you want to plug. plug. I've got nothing, nothing to plug. I've got a show in New York on November 3rd. Um, at the Beacon, going on after poor old Patton Oswalt. Not poor old Patton Oswalt. Dear Patton Oswalt. Um, uh, and then, you know, my musical opens next March on Broadway. And, um, you know, I don't really perform much anymore. I wish I did. I'll do it again soon. And that's all. all right. I'm, I'm making a children's movie at the moment. That's what I do with my life. Uh, there are so many other things that we could have talked about, but we didn't get to them because that was the time we had. So we'll do it again. You know what? It, this we'll do only, it again this only took two years, years to get. <laughs> we can do part two, but that's good. Um, we were going to talk about Cardinal Pell. We'll talk about that another time. Ah, uh, to be continued. Look it up. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, hey, uh, I'm doing some shows. I'm just going to do a quick plug of that. Uh, I'm doing some shows. Giant Dwarf uh, in oh. Sydney, uh, which is the Chasers venue uh, in October. It is six shows only. I only do these things occasionally. But they're fully improvised stand-up shows So every night is completely different um, And we just make it all up in the room And it's it's fun Holy shit It's fun They're fun shows normally So um, there's a few tickets left If you want to come along to those um, Thank you, Tim Thanks, Will, it. for having me Bye <laughs>
can be without you. 